0: Did you know that olive oil is at its peak of flavor and nutrition right after it's fresh-pressed at harvest time? That's why my favorite olive oil is delivered to me direct from the latest harvest, thanks to the Fresh-Pressed Olive Oil Club. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and as a listener of Intelligent Medicine, you can try a bottle of their finest artisanal olive oil, normally $39, for just $1 with no obligation to buy anything else. I've been enjoying these harvest fresh olive oils for years. They are far and away the brightest, most lively, and flavorful olive oils I've ever tasted. Their antioxidants and polyphenols are off the charts because they're fresh from the harvest. They make store-bought olive oils taste dull and flat by comparison. Taste for yourself. Check out this generous trial offer and get your $39 bottle for a buck with no obligation to buy anything else. Visit MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. In my case, it truly is MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We're talking about functional neurology. That means uh, neurology uh, taking in all aspects of a person's diet, uh, their sleep habits, uh, the environmental pollutants they're exposed to, uh, the infections they may be exposed to, uh, their gut microbiome, uh, and on and on it goes. There are many, many factors, uh, that may be root causes of neurologic diseases. Diseases like Alzheimer's, MS, Parkinson's disease, uh, seizure disorders. Uh, all these things can be influenced by, um, not just targeted medications, but also, uh, a more of an integrative approach. And uh, an ex- a proponent of that is today's guest. He's Ken Charlin, And uh, Ken, so uh, in your book, you say by way of introduction, and I'm quoting, I am a product of my generation. And I was intrigued by that, that statement. Uh, you are, I think, slightly younger than I am. Uh, maybe you're on the cusp of being a baby boomer. Probably you're more likely to be a Gen X guy. So what did you mean by that?
1: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 54, so I don't know where that puts me. I'm not sure what, what if you were I'm Gen X or you're baby 1964.
0: So you yeah. are, you're about the youngest baby boomer around. Cause I think the cutoff is about, you know, the Kennedy assassination. Wow. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, so. well, right on the edge. Yeah. Right One on the foot. Edge. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I
1: think that m- most of us, myself at least included, uh, have gone through life sort of on autopilot. Um, you know, uh, if you're going to the store to pick up groceries, you know, what do you kind of automatically buy when you're there? And, you know, and of course, I know this is probably not your listeners, but I, I'm kind of a snooper when it comes to being in the grocery store. And I look at what's on the conveyor belt, the cash register or in somebody's cart oh, yeah. and, you know, oh, I see that nice.
0: endless you know. amusement looking in the shopping carts and, you know, <laughs> being rung up at the cashier.
1: But we all live in our own reality in a sense. And, you know, I, I, I say this with a tremendous m- amount of respect for folks that, you know, many don't really know any better. They mm-hmm. feel that this is normal. You got to get your boxes of cereal. You got to get your six pack of Coca Cola. You get your processed. Fake cheese, you know, to sprinkle on whatever. I mean, this is just normal stuff. We're not taught otherwise, right? We, I grew up watching lots of television, you know. So those are products of my generation, I suppose. But I also, and I think it was the context of my book, I also grew up at a time where I rode my bike everywhere, right? Yep. That was my main mode of transportation,
0: riding my Three bike. 3 kids, Yep.
1: Yeah, you know. We have the parents that said, Go outside. I don't want to see it till I'll be I call back you. before dark.
0: And, yeah. Right. Thing.
1: What it what has changed now in two thousand and nineteen. So, you know, we are now afraid to send our kids even just down the road by themselves, much less across town on their bike. And you know, we, we have stay more
0: exciting at realities at their disposal at their fingertips with uh, yeah. screens. Perpetual screens and social media a, and all that.
1: If you give them a baseball, would they know what to do with it for a couple of hours, right? I could sit in the back, stand in the backyard with my friend Victor and toss a ball back and forth for a couple of hours. And that was entertaining. Um, but maybe not anymore. So I am a product of my generation. Every generation is different. Everyone has a different reality, if you will. And I think sometimes what we do as functional medicine practitioners, when we are health coaches, when we are educators, after all the word doctor comes from, you know, to teach, um, is that we try to open our patients' eyes to a different reality, a different way of seeing things to educate them about inflammation and how certain behaviors or certain foods or certain activities can be associated with increased inflammation in their bodies and take them down the road to conditions that affect their brain.
0: And, of course, the brain is, is very much uh – a target of inflammation, and it, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, is this has actually been known by conventional medicine. So, uh, I don't know if you recall, but a few years back, maybe 10, 15 years ago, uh, they undertook a trial, uh, to see if, um, high dose, uh, anti-inflammatory medication could slow the progression of neurologic diseases. And of course, what they oh. discovered with the conventional NSAIDs, uh, that they actually created uh, an epidemic of cardiovascular disease among mm. people who took those uh, medications, because that's an unfortunate side effect of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Yeah, maybe uh, that's not the best way to protect the brain. What are, what are some ways to reduce inflammation, uh, aside from using these anti-inflammatory drugs?
1: Well, from a, from a perspective of supplementation, we can think of very simple things like turmeric has an anti-inflammatory effect throughout the body. It's not, of course, going to be just the brain. Think of balancing our omega-3 to s- and 6 fatty acids. So I look for a ratio, uh, a 6 to 3 ratio of in the range of 2 to 5 with my patients. Most but you people, measure.
0: You, me- you do blood tests to measure. measure.
1: Yeah, and that's very important. I know a lot of folks ask me about supplements, and I, I think we're going to talk a little bit about supplements. But in my clinic Everything that my patients get, they get because we measured it. Mm-hmm. Unless you can't measure turmeric level yeah, or an oxygen. Yeah, we'll condo- low
0: turmeric level. Oh, yeah, we have to raise your <laughs> turmeric level. It's not like B12.
1: Right. But, but many things pe- my patients are receiving because we measure, and then the corollary to that is we track. So, you know, three months down the line, I repeat those labs and say, okay, did we achieve the goal that we set out to achieve, or do we need to make a change? Do we need to adjust something?
0: One thing to measure uh, is homocysteine because homocysteine kind of fallen out of uh, – fallen into disrepute among conventional doctors. They say, well, let's not bother to check for homocysteine. That's kind of uh-huh. passe. Uh, but I think for a neurologist, homocysteine has got to be something worth looking at.
1: Very much so. Uh, so for your listeners, uh, homocysteine really sits at the center of a pathway that's involved in all kinds of really important things when it comes to the brain, like making those chemical communicators called neurotransmitters, uh, norepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine. Uh, from serotonin, you get melatonin. And so, you know, if you're, if this particular pathway that Dr. Hoffman is referring to isn't really sort of well greased, if you will, um, your brain may have trouble producing those neurotransmitters that let the nerve cells communicate with one another. Um, you know, it it plays a role in other other areas. We talk about epigenetics or how your genes are actually ex- expressed or not expressed. It plays a role in detoxification pathways. So it's a really really critical linchpin in understanding what's going on. Um, with the brain at a cellular level.
0: And it's something that you can modify. I mean, you can't uh, change your genes if you've got an ApoE4. There's no vitamin that makes you not have an ApoE4. But homocysteine can be lowered effectively with nutritional intervention. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, especially we talk about the role of folate, although certainly that's not the exclusive nutrient that influences homocysteine levels. Uh, But folate is a critical player, B12, B6 as well.
0: In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative, the only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with the fruit, flower, and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. And how often do you find, because you you see a lot of patients, how often do you see some mysterious uh, undiagnosed neurological problem uh, that is related to a very low level of vitamin B12 that's much ignored by conventional medicine?
1: Well, low levels of B12 are actually extremely common. And For our office, we use a variety of labs. Some lab companies have more of an association with functional medicine like Genova Diagnostics or Great Plains Laboratories. We also use
0: B12 levels because they can be misleading.
1: uh, uh, Yes, but what I was uh, was pointing, we also use some of the conventional lab companies like Quest. Mm -hmm. And in their actual report of your B12 level, Although it provides a reference range of, I think, 200 to 1,100, there's a little caveat below that, and it it says individuals with a level of 200 to 400 may experience neuropsychiatric Mm, symptoms. So it's just very interesting. Of course, Quest has no—they're not invested in functional medicine at all, and yet even the Quest pathologists recognize that it's important to have optimal levels of B12, and so, if you set your cut, your minimum level of 400 or 500, I tend to like levels above 500. You'll see an enormous number of people below 500, mm-hmm. and even below 300 is extremely common. And of course, all outright deficiency below 200 we see fairly often as well. So that
0: mimic the symptoms of depression or Alzheimer's disease or any other uh, disorders.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It can cause multiple problems. You know, of course, it can cause anemia uh, and it can cause spinal cord and peripheral nerve disease. But yeah. similarly, it affects the brain in multiple ways. It can look like motorosis. It and present with dementia and psychosis or mental mental illness. So it's a very, very uh, important nutrient.
0: So you're involved Absolutely. in a couple of uh, clinical trials, I noticed, from your website. By the way, give out the information about uh, your website, because some of the listeners may want to take advantage of the resources there. Yes,
1: yeah, so our website is www.functionalmedicine.doctor. Doctor is spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, functionalmedicine.doctor.
0: Wow, you, you nailed that down. That's a pretty uh, pretty cool domain to have been able to acquire. Yeah. Uh
1: we have been doing some clinical research in the office. Uh I've done I have an academic background uh from my days at Emory and Vanderbilt and University of Virginia. So I sort of weaned on academic medicine and continued to uh pursue clinical trials throughout my entire career. Uh most of what our our clinical trials have been about it focused on multiple sclerosis and the past few years and we've been involved in helping uh pharmaceutical companies bring their products to market. So it's been fairly traditional in that regard. Um, but some very novel types of compounds that are um, part of a whole new wave of pharmaceuticals called biologics uh, that are that are more and more common these days. Um, but we are starting to get into some clinical trials with nutraceuticals as well. I'm very excited about we're going to be doing a clinical trial with a nitric oxide uh, compound uh, and and looking at its impact on vascular health and cognition. Uh, so that's just around the bend. And I have some uh, ideas about doing some additional work uh, looking at uh, a comparison of using compounds like N-acetylcysteine, which, as you know, many people use to help raise up their glutathione levels, and comparing it uh, to uh, a compound uh, called Ademcall that uh, uses a different mechanism to activate pathways in, in inside the cells that in turn raise glutathione levels. So we would, Ademcall works indirectly to raise glutathione levels. But the question is, which one can be more successful for our patients? Do we put them on the traditional path, or do we use basically a compound that's based on broccoli uh,
0: right. to Right, is is that not a sulforaphane? Uh, Derivative, or wh- I, I'm a little bit uh, I'm familiar with the term, but what is that again?
1: Yes, uh, Avmacol, uh, which is A V M A C O L for your listeners, um, contains a combination of sulforaphane and murinase, the enzyme, and uh, these two compounds had an effect at the nuclear level of the cells to mm-hmm. activate uh, pathways that, in turn lead to increases in glutathione levels
0: and so i I think there was mentioning trial recently looking at autism uh uh, individuals with autism being treated with sulforaphane uh, with some discernible improvements so that it's an exciting line of research
1: you know uh Probably like you, I I measure glutathione levels in my patients, and I see all an enormous – I mean, I, I think I, I saw one person today, and it's the first person in a long time that actually had an optimal glutathione level coming out of the gate, so to speak. I mean, everybody's glutathione level is low, and there are some very traditional ways of radi- raising glutathione levels with N-acetylcysteine, with alpha-lipoic gas and vitamin C in support of that. Um, but, uh, but I'll be honest with you, it's very frustrating to me as a clinician because I'm not seeing the robust responses that I expect to see. And so what I want to do is actually compare this very novel compound that is Abmicol to the traditional approach and see mm-hmm. if we can get some better results.
0: And the problem with glutathione being that it's uh – it's broken down when taken internally, and there are some forms of glutathione that purport to uh, raise blood levels to some degree. But it's a challenge to, uh, as, you know, I agree with you. It's it's a challenge to get those levels up. Uh, in the book, you also, I mean, on the website, excuse me, uh, you offer a free ebook. Sounds intriguing. Master chronic pain. So give us a teaser on on that uh, ebook. That's available. It's free. It's available to folks who check in on your website.
1: Yes. Well, chronic pain, of course, is a signal from the body that something is wrong. And very often, that once again is an inflammatory signal. Um, and you had brought up Terry Walls earlier, and the two of us just really drive home this idea that lifestyle is medicine. So inside the ebook, there are a couple supplement suggestions, but there's also this idea that, you know, if we work on sleep, if we work on that anti inflammatory diet, if we develop a movement program, as well as a stress resilience program, because mindset, the way we think about things, plays such a huge role in how we perceive pain and what we think about pain, whether something is in fact painful at all really is influenced by how we think about it. And if we can develop a program that really lays a foundation in those areas, very often the experience of chronic pain can improve dramatically.
0: Uh, Do you harness the uh, ketogenic diet ever? I mean, that is sometimes uh, invoked for treatment of Alzheimer's disease, uh, for treatment of seizure disorders. Is that part of your clinical armamentarium?
1: It is. We definitely know that at least in some people with Alzheimer's disease, there is a problem with energy metabolism, with glucose metabolism specifically, and the insulin receptor is not expressed. That that insulin receptor uh, needs to be present on the cell surface in order for the cell to internalize glucose and then ultimately to uh, uh, to to utilize glucose as an energy source. But uh, therefore it appears that the ketogenic diet could play a very powerful role and indeed that has been actually demonstrated by uh, people like Russford Low up at KUMC who did a very nice uh, study of the ketogenic diet over a three-month period in patients with Alzheimer's disease and they found that there was an average increase in a cognitive test called the ADAS-COG of four points. Wow. Now to put that in context a 4 point increase is actually equal to the benefit of that drug dinepazil we were discussing earlier at the end of 3 months in that trial they, they they took the patients off the ketogenic diet and very interestingly there was an abrupt decline in cognitive function mm. so there's no question that it can be effective the question is is it effective for everyone and how you know many of us are capable of maintaining
0: because it's a very challenging paradigm and patients who are already kind of mentally challenged uh, it's difficult for them to implement that kind of program without a lot of help Mm -hmm.
1: and then there are other potential consequences uh, consequences of essentially signaling the body that it's in starvation mode Uh, so we do have to watch things carefully we've seen some hormone changes We've seen changes in people's blood counts where they suppress their white blood cells as a consequence of ketosis. Uh, they suppress their bone marrow in general. And so I view it as a medical diet, and I know it's very popular now, yeah. um, but I would it's say become, that it's become
0: kind of a cult. You know, It's more yeah. you know, like a movement rather than a, a scientific proposition.
1: Yeah. I would encourage folks to explore it but to work with someone who's experienced and make sure they're being monitored.
0: Indeed. You, know. you also work with patients who suffer from uh, migraines. So, is that something that's amenable to uh, diet, certain supplements? Can they can they make a difference?
1: And of course, the answer is yes. Um, we often I think of that food sensitivities. You, you Thank you so much. Food sensitivities as being a factor for some people with migraine. Of course, for years, even conventional doctors have talked about avoiding certain foods, the, the, you know, aged cheese and the, the red, certain red wines and things like that. But we even talk about food as inflammation. Not that those things couldn't drive inflammation, of course, uh, but certain inflammatory responses. We know there's certain nutrients like magnesium, coenzyme Q, um, riboflavin can all uh, play a role in either triggering or mitigating migraine, meaning that therapeutic doses of magnesium riboflavin coenzyme Q uh, can reduce the expression of migraine in some individuals. Uh, So that can be used as a more holistic or natural preventative regimen compared to say using a drug like topiramate.
0: Right. And and there's a new drug for migraines. Do you have any experience with it. It's supposed to be a once a a month injectable drug uh, that somewhat reduces the frequency of migraines. Is that uh, worthwhile or any downsides to that?
1: Yes, really there's a whole class of these drugs which might be called CGRP drugs or calcitonin gene related peptide. Uh, This is an inflammatory uh, molecule. Uh, It's easier to say CGRP, and it's involved in blood vessel dilation, among other things, uh, during an inflammatory cascade. So what these drugs do is they either block CGRP directly, or they actually just block the receptor that CGRP sits on to prevent its biological activity. Uh, We now have three drugs currently FDA approved. There will be more uh the good news is that they do appear to be quite safe uh and overall quite well tolerated and effective um the effectiveness uh is available of course you can look up the clinical trial outcomes but i tend to think that you know look we're all human beings no one likes taking medicine but if you have a drug that's a simple subcutaneous injection which is how they're administered by sort of a clicker pen like an epi pen mm-hmm. so not, there might be a slight pinch, but overall, they're pretty painless. You don't really have to stick the needle into your skin. You just press a trigger. And you do this once a month. There's virtually, you know, essentially 100% compliance on the medication. Most people are not going to miss their dose if it's once a month. They never, they don't have to take it every day. So as a consequence, we get this very robust response with, with treatment. So yeah, we've had a lot of tremendously good results. Uh, with these drugs, they go under trade names like Amivig, Adjivy, and Mgality. The Adjivy may be the most difficult to take because it's not in an auto-injector. However, if people are willing to inject three doses at once, they, it will last for three months, which is kind
0: of yeah. nice. Okay. Well, you, you look, it sounds like you take a, a balanced and an eclectic approach uh, to getting your patients well, which is really what's uh, called upon. Uh, I would call that true functional medicine. We as physicians, all of us should be practicing functional medicine, whether it's uh, whether we're integrative or whether we're just uh, good doctors, uh, because uh, being a doctor involves evaluating the best of high-tech medicine and the best of natural therapies, putting those together in a way that gets our patients uh, past square one and uh, it's a challenge in neurology, uh, but you're certainly looking at a lot of options that um, are yielding very, very uh, positive results. So kudos to you. And thank let's mention again, the book is The Healthy Brain Toolbox, uh, wherein you'll find a lot more details on uh, how to keep your brain working.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Dr. Ken Charlin, thank you for joining It's S-H-A-R-L-I-N. Uh, if you want to Google it, check out his website. Uh, lots of information there.